in reality, it's not. Yeah. Just one second. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome. We're just about to start the second episode of the Career Vision um, webinar series. Hi and uh, good evening, good morning, uh, good afternoon, wherever you are, uh, uh, everyone. Um, uh, welcome to the second episode of uh, the Career Vision webinar series uh, by Tra Training Vision Global Education. I'm Aditya, the CEO of uh, Training Vision Global Education, and uh, we found it quite important and relevant for us to start a conversation on career awareness, especially for early career uh, individuals, professionals, or undergraduate students who are launching their early careers or transitioning their early careers amidst this pandemic. Uh, unprecedented times require us to take unprecedented measures. And uh, with the future uh, being accelerated with the digital transformation, with the globalization, uh, and the digital economy here, we found it to be imperative for us to start this conversation and bring together a series of thought leaders, industrialists, and uh, subject matter experts to engage with uh, with the youth, uh, with the young professionals in, in this regard. And today I'm so excited to have uh, someone uh, uh, who's uh, who's going to introduce himself, but someone I've, I've known and I've been working with and uh, is a great inspiration to me as well personally and and uh, who's going to talk about top five core skills for global employability. And uh, so welcome and uh, over to you, uh, Nicholas, to to take us through. Uh, yeah. Thank you for the kind introductions. Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for being here today, uh, whether you're over in India or across the world. Uh, really appreciate you being here with us, especially during these uh, unprecedented times. Today, we're going to be talking about something that I'm quite passionate about. Uh, spent most of my career studying uh, is the core skills, 21st century core skills for global employability. And what I hope 
for most of you today to take away from this is what are the skills that not only should you think about when you go out into the world and uh, start working, work in the organizations, but also thinking about, you know, is it something that I need to work on? Is it something that uh, I am ready for? And that's something we would talk about as well uh, towards the end of the webinar. So yes, uh, let me also uh, jump in here, Nicholas, and just add a little bit about Training Vision Global Education. So Training Vision Global Education is the subsidiary of uh, TVI or Training Vision Singapore, which is the leading private higher education and skill development organization from Singapore. With three decades of experience in corporate training, skill development, professional development, uh, we curate and train in 21st century employability skills and skills for career excellence, professional certifications uh, to advance uh, careers for care mobility. We also offer world-class higher education, undergraduate and postgraduate diplomas and degrees uh, across the world. So this is just a little bit about us and we're a mission-driven organization for us it's really important to live to learn and to make a difference and 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 having you here nicholas is a little way of making a difference to improve on the career awareness and hopefully uh, inspiring some of our viewers now to, and and perhaps later on their core skills so back to you thanks adia uh so me, for me, um, my name is Nicholas, uh, as Adia has already mentioned. I'm a, actually a registered IO psychologist based out here in Hong Kong. I'm the co-founder of uh, Vision One, which is uh, our company, which is a business subsidiary actually of Training Vision and the head of psychometrics. At Vision One, it's a, again, is a business subsidiary of Training Vision. And what we do there is actually help organizations uh, identify the best talent using the learnings that we've gained through the 30 years uh, in training vision as a HR, uh, human capital. What is it that makes humans uh, perform better in the organization and transmitting that information and that knowledge to our clients. So before you know, we talk about the core skills and uh, the relationship with global, uh, global employability, I would like first everyone to kind of take a moment to get some movement going. I want you to find a pencil and uh, with your non-preferred hand, try and write your name. And I'll, you know, while you're doing that, if you're doing that at home, uh, take your time, but I want you to start thinking about how the experience is making you feel. Is it difficult? Does it feel unnatural? Does it feel uncomfortable? And then try with your preferred hand, your dominant hand. How does that feel? How does that contrast with your non-preferred hand?
I like to use this exercise a lot when working with my clients, um, working with uh, my coaches to describe what is exactly personality. And personality in of itself is actually quite foundational when we try and understand uh, human beings. Personality is described to be a stable trait that affects how we think, feel, behave, and see the world. And what that actually means is that when we, with our personalities, it kind of dictates what we feel is natural to us, what comes uh, comfortably, what do we see as a strength. And with that personality, it then affects how we behave and ultimately affects how we work. And because personality affects how we behave, how we see the world, our attitudes, it affects more than just, you know, the behaviors that we do. It also predicts inevitably many life outcomes. We have a lot of data in the academic literature uh, showing that by understanding people's personality, we can actually predict their mental and physical health, their consumer behavior, their wealth, your leadership potential, how fast you're going to learn, how happy you're going to be, or how stressful you're going to become, especially during times of COVID, and ultimately job success, how well you perform in the job, how well you're going to move up the corporate ladder, how well you might perform in an MNC or in an SME. And what HR and in human capital and what we've learned in Training Vision is that when we understand the human being behind the CV, the person and their individual characteristics, we can then really set them up for success by putting them in an environment that not only plays onto their strengths, but also work on the areas that they personally might feel uh, less competent or unnatural. And with proper training, proper guidance, we then are able to unleash their full uh, individual potential. And for HR and for organizations that you might come across, you know, this is imperative. Understanding you as a person, understanding your individual characteristics, understanding your personality. Companies are not only looking for people to know how to do the job, that's easy. They wanna know who is going to thrive in their company, who is going to really succeed, who's going to outperform, who's gonna stay longer in the organization. And really they can only do that when they understand the person's personality. With that in mind, we're gonna talk about then the five key competencies for global employability. Now, when we talk about global employability, we're talking about if you were to, I think for most of the audience here uh, based in India, so going outside, going to another foreign country, Singapore, United States, Europe maybe, and being employed there. Or it can also be uh, those of you who are applying to an MNC within India, uh, working for a global multinational. 
There is a lot of data that we've collected uh, over the years, understanding uh, people's personalities and their outcomes at work uh, in various organizations, not just uh, in small, medium-sized organizations, large organizations across industries, across job levels from associate to entry level to C-suite director level. And we noticed that in the data that we collect, there are five core skills, five key competencies that is generally relevant across all these different uh, positions and company sizes that leads to success. The first one that we see uh, is called what we call conscientiousness. For those of you who have heard of the big five of personality, uh, it's the same conscientiousness. It's about whether or not you work hard, you work systematically, are you reliable? Do you work in a detailed manner? For those who tend to score higher on this competency, on this trait, they are very much hard workers. They always meet their deadlines. They come into work uh, on time. They submit their work on time and in a very detailed and uh, well-organized manner. They even organize themselves, set their workplace very tidy or their documents or their, uh, their information and so on. And those that we see who are scored lower on conscientiousness uh, tend to be very flexible, uh, unsystematic, unreliable at times, maybe missing out a few deadlines here and there, slowing down progress, maybe focusing more on the big picture rather than on the details. And we see this to be fundamentally important across all different kinds of jobs. Um, and of course, it makes sense, right? In an organization, if you're not working, uh, if you're not uh, working in a systematic manner, uh, it impact how you deliver your work, it might impact and so on. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, Vishwak, can you mute yourself? Thank you. Um, I think a very good example of someone who displayed very high levels of conscientiousness is uh, Kobe Bryant. For those of you who don't know basketball or uh, are not into the NBA, uh, Kobe Bryant is a very famous basketball player. I think the second most famous basketball player than Michael Jordan. And in his autobiographies or when people talk about his work, work ethic, you can really see the meticulousness, the detail-orientedness, his drive to put in the work, to get results sleeping only four hours a night, work, going to the court, dribbling drills, shooting drills from nine to, what, to whatever time, and always doing the same thing every day, keeping to his schedule. The next competency we see that's important uh, as a core skill is resilience. This is about how you cope and manage stress. Are you able to work under pressure? Are you able to keep focus while under stress? Are you able to keep your emotions under control or do you tend to reveal them, especially in difficult situations? Are you able to maintain a positive outlook or are you more on the uh, 
uh, skeptical side, more glass half empty rather than glass half full. Yeah. Every, every job is going to be Anyone has told you really false. You will experience stress and you will fear, uh, have pressure when you're at work. The ones that tend to do very well are the ones that are able to manage those stressors, able to cope with those stressors effectively, and ultimately perform better when under those stressors. People who tend to score higher on this area, again, are calm under pressure. They can relax quite easily. They're emotionally controlled and they're quite focused. Those who score lower, they tend to worry a lot. They feel tense. You, you find them gripping their, their hand very tightly when they're, they're working or their shoulders start struggling up when they're at work. They can also react quite emotionally to stress. And oftentimes you see them finding it very difficult to work while under immense stress. We also see uh, actually individuals who score higher on uh, resilience to feel less pressure when they're in an interview or when they're doing an assessment. Conversely, those who are lower, they tend to be more nervous, uh, get scared a little bit easily when they're in interview and assessment something to keep in mind about and see where are you on this spectrum. I think is, here is a great time to acknowledge uh, the healthcare workers that are dealing and fighting the COVID pandemic. We tend to find that individuals working in the healthcare sector uh, are higher on resilience. They are more, uh, they're not more comfortable, but they are generally more comfortable working under stress in comparison to the average person. They're able to keep focused uh, better and, work, and sometimes even work more effectively when under pressure than the average person. And I think this is, again, a very important consideration to make. Um, for a lot of you, if you choose to join a large MNC, uh, you may feel, really feel the stress. Sometimes you hear people talk about corporate culture, but it's like it's a real hit in the face. But it's also important to remember here that stress for one person can mean stress uh, diff completely differently for another person. Um, some, for some people, workload is a stressor, but some people are also work workaholics and they find work completely fine. Maybe for them, there's other stress. Maybe let's say, uh, Introverts tend to find social gatherings quite stressful. Um, we also see some people find leadership roles uh, quite stressful, maybe because they don't like to be in positions of influence or position of power. So stress comes in many, many different forms. And it's good to acknowledge that here uh, when you're reflecting on whether or not you are higher or lower in this area. Stress for one person may not mean the same thing as for another. The next core skill we saw that's important is the conceptual thinker. This is a person that tends to engage with in very creative thoughts. They are innovators. They love to approach things with a new perspective. They love to learn about new ideas and topics that could grow their expertise. They want to come in with some radical insight, things that is going against 
the norm, challenging the status quo. We tend to see those who score higher on this area are very creative, not just only in an aesthetic sense, uh, such as artistic design, but more so on their ideas, how it's probably maybe not uh, traditional for some people to think about. Those might be the innovators. They think about a lot about possibilities, things that were once completely theoretical or once thought of to be impossible. They are the ones that are driving to think, yes, it is possible. These people also like new things. They like change. They like novelty. They tend to feel frustrated when they are stuck or when they're only confined to what is allowed rather than going out of the box. And they're very much learning oriented, love to read, love to learn new topics, uh, new skills. A famous person I, I can think of uh, that is a conceptual thinker would be people like Bill Gates or even Elon Musk. I think Elon Musk would be more a recent example. Having the rocket being able to come back to Earth after it's being launched into space, that was once thought of to be completely theoretical, if not impossible. But he was a man that was determined uh, to engage with the possibilities, to apply the theoretical concepts and make it a reality. And organizations find that how they grow, especially when they're engaging in growth, or you hear things like intrapreneurship instead of entrepreneurship, intrapreneurship, these are the conceptual thinkers trying to go outside of the box and look beyond. The fourth skill that we saw was important is tolerance to ambiguity. So this is where people feel, uh, tend to feel comfortable working in environments that are complex, uncertain, or ambiguous. They're comfortable making decisions and take action despite the complexity or when given conflicting or mixed information or dealing with things with uncertain consequences. You can think of it less like stocks, for example, or more recently, the cryptocurrency market. Uh, people who tend to be more attracted to these kinds of vocations or these kind of uh, um, tasks, they are very much high on tolerance to ambiguity. They thrive in ambiguity. They love it. It's not just about also being comfortable in it. They really love it because they feel like it's so complex. They're trying to make sense of everything uh, and then uh, trying to get the outcome that they want. They're comfortable with that change. They're com comfortable with those new challenges. Those who score lower on this area or are less tolerant of ambiguity are people that prefer to have structure and clarity. They need rules to follow. They need certainty of what they're doing. And they tend not to be comfortable with change. A very good example of people scoring higher on this area that tend to succeed are entrepreneurs. Entrepreneur is a career that you will deal with a lot of ambiguity. You're going to deal with a lot of setbacks. You're going to deal with air. You're going to go into areas that may not have a very clear and crystal outcome, right? 
because for an entrepreneur, you're going out there into the unknown. You're trying to create something new that has never been done before. And so the rules may not be clear. The information may not be sufficient and you have to deal with what you get. You have to deal with that complexity. You have to deal with that uncertainty. And we see those people, uh, entrepreneurs, higher on tolerance to ambiguity tend to succeed. I think in this, it's also good to point out in COVID, those organizations or those individuals working on organizations that are still with us today, unfortunately, a lot of them um, went bankrupt or had to close down during COVID. But those that stayed and those that succeeded through this uh, turbulence are higher on tolerance to ambiguity because they understand that they're in a very ambiguous, very uncertain environment and they have to make sense of it in order to succeed, in order to live. At an individual level, we see uh, employees or uh, in people in general, higher on tolerance to ambiguity tend to have uh, better coping mechanisms with uh, COVID. They are not as stressed, right? Ambiguity is also a stressor. Um, they tend to uh, do well and they're not at the highest level of happiness, but they are happier than others, especially those who are lower on tolerance to ambiguity. Before I talk about the fifth skill, I do want to point out a reality for most of you, uh, considering that most of you listening today are uh, fresh graduates or you're still in school, right? When you first enter your job, uh, you're going to be most likely in an entry level job, right? Um, the reality is, is that when you first enter your job, most likely you're going to be focusing on tasks that leverage on your technical skills, your know-how, right? Might be based on your degree, based on your coding skills or um, other technical skills that you might have acquired and you're applying in the job. You're gonna be focused on those. You're gonna focus on those. But after a few years, some of you might get promoted. You might be promoted for your, uh, the work that you've done in the past in your entry-level job and now are in a manager, management position, a position of leadership. You are being rewarded uh, for your technical skills by managing other people uh, to do well on their technical skills. An important consideration for all of you uh, that they don't, a lot of people, a lot of HR people don't tell you is that your context, your responsibility has now changed, right? You're no longer doing the technical work. You're actually instead managing other people to, so that they can do their technical work in an effective manner. And when that happens, the requirements of you, your, the characteristics required of you to be successful in now in this new role has changed. And the most common competency, the most common skill that we see here then uh, when you get promoted as important is leadership. So leadership, I think, is pretty self-explanatory, as most of you have heard of it before. It is having the uh, ability, having the preference, the behaviors to lead other people, giving others clear direction, able to influence, persuade your subordinates, your teams, your stakeholders towards a common goal and objective. 
those of those people who tend not to like leadership roles or uh, lower on this area, uh, they prefer to let others lead. So they like to be a follower or blend in the background rather than being the person on the podium telling other people what to do. And they're not really focused on influencing people. They don't want to fight others for power. They're not interested in uh, being in a position of power or position of influence. Do you need this skill uh, to be successful or uh, to be globally employable? I would say yes and no. This is a competency that we tend to find is important because for most of you, you will be promoted. But then when you do get promoted, it becomes a question for you, do you want to hold that responsibility? And I think it's important to consider that now so that you know how your career is going to grow and develop. I pose an example, a very famous example of some people uh, not wanting leadership responsibilities and being equally successful, being successful. Um, for those of you who know about Apple, right? The two Steves, there was Steve Jobs and there was Steve Wozniak. Steve Jobs is probably the person that most people remember. He's the CEO of Apple, co-founder co actually. And uh, he was the face and he was a really good seller. He was really good at influencing people. He was really good at managing his, uh, his teams, his, his company, his employees towards a common goal and objective. Very influential. But he wasn't the person that created the Apple computer. If you look back uh, into Apple's history, it was actually Steve Wozniak that was the one that created the first Apple computer. And so there wouldn't be a Steve Jobs without a Steve Wozniak. But why, why people don't really remember Steve Wozniak is because Steve Wozniak actually uh, didn't want to be under the spotlight. He didn't want that leadership position. He didn't like telling people what to do. And he very much didn't like to be in a position of power. He wanted to be one with the crowd. He wanted to just do the work. He wanted to keep on uh, developing better and better computers. He wanted to continue to practice his technical skills. And so for a lot of you, you might be a Steve Wozniak. Some of you might be, want to be a Steve Jobs, but some of you may not want uh, that responsibility, uh, that, that level of influence, and that's okay. And that's something that you all should be aware of. It is okay if you don't want to be a leader. There are many successful people that don't assume leadership responsibilities, right? But of course, for whatever reason you might have, if you choose that you want to be promoted, you want to move up the corporate ladder, you want to be in a position of influence, you may want to consider uh, developing on this because again you being rewarded for a uh, technical skill that you've done at, at your previous job or your previous role won't be rewarded again when after you get promoted you're being graded on a different criteria i make a final point uh, before i i stop talking and um, give, open it back to you adia um, are all traits equally important so again, I mentioned in the beginning that we had a lot of data on this and we looked at the relationships and we identified 
these five core skills. But they're not the only core skills that you need. Uh, and in many cases, of course, it depends on the specific role. It depends on what you're applying for. Uh, a large MNC may require slightly less uh, on the tolerance to ambiguity, for example. A small, medium organization or even a startup will require greater or higher levels of tolerance to ambiguity. Uh, for uh, maybe, again, uh, accounting jobs or, or jobs that are related in finance, financial roles, maybe you need to be less of a conceptual thinker. But then in roles of, let's say, hmm, software engineers, your data scientists, perhaps, your innovators, your entrepreneurs, then those would require stronger levels of conceptual thinking. And so it is important for you to consider uh, when you want to develop on a skill or on a trait or of a behavior of yours, maybe you need to consider what am I exactly applying for? What, exact, what exactly is the career that I'm looking to do? What do you need in those careers or roles to be successful? And then develop on those uh, skills And with that, uh, I'll uh, stop talking here and pass it back on to you, Adia. Thank you, uh, Nicholas. I think this has been a really, uh, I would say, not only insightful, but also provocative to some level, uh, the insights that you shared and the clarity that you provided. And uh, just for everybody to understand, we're talking about uh, transferable skills. We're talking about skills, uh, as Nicholas earlier mentioned, a lot of research has been done across industries, across levels, across job roles. And, and these top five core skills have been identified uh, to be the levers for sort of uh, career fulfillment uh, and, and you know performance and, and success of, or whatever you may. So uh, when we say uh, transferable skills, Nicholas, so I do want to ask some questions to you, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm also getting a few questions from our uh, uh, audience. Uh, some of them who are live with us. We have about 67 in the Zoom, and we have a few more uh, on YouTube. Uh, so uh, request everybody to mute yourself, uh, and and and. And probably we can take one or two questions. If if you message me on the chat, I can answer them. I can have them. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So the first question, Nicholas, is how do we go about this, right? So uh, how do we go about developing these competencies? Now you've mentioned that these are the core competencies relevant across cultures, across industries, across job grades, job roles, how do we go about developing them? And maybe to be more specific, uh, how does the development happen? Most of uh, the education in terms of K through 12 uh, may have already addressed some of these uh, skill sets, these, some of these cognitive and behavioral skills you mentioned, but is it possible for young professionals or those who are just starting out to still learn and pick these up? Uh, or are these skills that are something that, like technical skills, uh, they have to be reskilled, upskilled throughout 
one's uh, career over the 60 year, uh, what they say, right? So if you could uh, give some insight on how they should be developed, how long they should be developed, uh, in what ways, in a self-learn manner or in an organized educational environments like TVI, our digital academy, what we could do if you can give some insight. Uh, thank you. Right. Thanks, Adia. Um, I, it's a very good question, um, and it's something definitely asked a lot. Uh, we have a saying in, in psychology, um, how many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? One, but the light bulb must want to change. So when we talk about these core skills, these transferable skills, right, they're very much, again, rooted in our personality. How, we, how resilient we are, how uh, conceptual, are we a conceptual thinker, you know, how conscientiousness we are, it, it really much is driven by our personality. And I see this to a lot of my clients, you know, people drive business, but personality drives people. And so first, for, as a student, as an individual, as, a, as an adult who's looking to uh, upskill themselves or change careers, you must first ask yourself, do I want to change? What is the reason for my change? What am I, how motivated I am to change? And once you have that, once you've identified that you have the motivation, okay, now we talk to the second part about how do we engage in this change? Then it comes on another thing that comes to my mind, another thing in psychology uh, that uh, we, we talk about, are people plaster or plastic? The idea is being, are people's personalities fixed and stable or are we able to change it? And I tend to fall in the camp of in between. Again, it first depends on how motivated you are as an individual to change. Nobody can force you to change unless you want to change yourself. Then once you have to that commitment and you've understood where you are, are you lower on tolerance to ambiguity or higher? Are you lower on conceptual thinking? Are you lower or high on conscientiousness? Then you need to understand how do I engage in the change? And that comes with having some sort of structured learning you know, there's a lot of information out there, especially with the internet. Um, there's a lot of people that are providing, you know, information, bits and pieces on how to change. But really what people need to engage in long-term sustainable change right, is having a structured uh, learning protocol, a learning development program that can not only give them the knowledge, right? Uh, the knowledge, knowledge is first and foremost uh, the first step to change having the knowledge, but then also then setting them up with the right uh, experience, experiences, um, the right practice, right? Especially sustained practice over time. We then tend to find those individuals that go through that kind of process really have uh, meaningful and sustainable change. How long does that take? It very much depends, but I think the average uh, based on the literature, based on the research is about 30 to 60 days. Again, some people are faster learners than others. Thank you, Nicholas. Uh, I think you've answered it uh, quite uh, uh, sequentially that it starts with the individual. You can't change uh, anyone unless they want to change and, and that's really powerful. And you also, I think, and, and just uh, as a caveat, we're actually sharing uh, the free encode assessment uh, that 
at, at Vision One we've created. So I think this kind of psychometric uh, and behavioral assessment would actually give one the awareness of what are the improvement areas and what are the strengths that they have so one can play to their strengths. So, so really self-awareness uh, is really the starting point and, and the willingness to change is, is really great. And then you also mentioned a little bit about the knowledge and practice. And uh, I'm also happy to say that, you know, it's really important and at TVI we're focusing on pracademics, right? Being practicing and having knowledge and applying it, applying to real world situations. Uh, so Nicholas, another question would be, uh, how would uh, recruiters perceive? I think a lot of the young professionals or uh, aspiring you know, students are wanting to understand how do they improve, uh, how do they want to advance their career or launch their career or transition their career amidst the current situation. And um, how, how would the recruiters perceive someone with these uh, employability skills, right? The core skills and how does, how, how does it matter for the recruiter in terms of making better recruitment and better hiring if an individual has these skills, but also has uh, a career readiness profile, right? A career readiness profile that something like we're providing with the ENCODE assessment. Could you talk a little bit about that? Thank you. Sure. Uh, that's, again, um, something that I think recruiters are paying more attention to in terms of when we're talking about these competencies, these personalities, and these kinds of skill sets. Uh, I'll bring an example that we've, we've done with uh, a client. Uh, a client of mine, you know, he first came to me uh, wanting to understand more about how can I identify the best talent. Um, finance guy, you know, typical typical background in finance, um, not a lot of uh, human capital uh, awareness or, or background. And uh, he, he told me, you know, why he came to me, why he was looking for an assessment like the ENCODE uh, is because he went to recruiters before and uh, much of the time they were trying to match the skill sets. You know, do you have uh, Python uh, coding as a tool set? Do you, do you know how to do uh, data visualization, use Tableau? Uh, can you do financial modeling? And that's very easy, right? You can see that clearly in a CV. You can test that. You can get, you can directly observe the person and their work and you know whether or not they know how to do it. But then, when he hired those individuals, they come into the organization, they leave in three months, two months. And the reason, main reason, a lot of the time why they leave is because they're just not a right cultural fit, right? They're causing tensions between people. They're causing problems. They're not delivering work on time. They don't hold the same values as the organization. They don't hold, they don't hold the same mindset or they're not team oriented. They're not, uh, they can't handle the pressure. And a lot of this is stuff that you cannot see in a resume. You can't see it in a CV. And so when recruiters now, what they're trying to do, uh, especially the, uh, the very, the big recruiters out there in the market, uh, they assess for people and their personality, their skill sets, their competencies, and making sure that do, does this candidate have the right competencies that matches what the client is looking for. Are you a team player? Do you prefer to work or do you prefer to work alone? Do you, are you flexible or are you very structured, right? Things like that. 
And it just helps the recruiter find better people for their clients. But also, I mean, having said that, understanding the candidates, you know, their personality and what their style is, what is their natural uh, work style, that's important for the candidate too, because you want to find an organization that fits the candidate. It's not just candidate fitting organization. So I think there's also a reverse trend that's happening uh, in recruiters. It's not just uh, focusing on putting the right person in the right organization, but it's also actually the other way around finding the right organization for the candidate. Thank you, uh, Nicholas. Uh, just another question now from once again, the, the candidates uh, side of the story, right? And uh, when you talk about these core competencies, uh, which are layered on top of technical skills, which are probably garnered from their educational background from a university or anything. I think many of, uh, I think in the audience here, I see a lot of diversity, definitely from different universities, different quality of educational background. So how, how does it matter uh, to someone? I, I actually have seen uh, cases where there have been dropouts with such employability skills, these core skills, doing very well in a, in the startup or MSME sector, you know, uh, and have and developing the leadership skills, right? Uh, and I've also seen some of the uh, really pedigreed, uh, if I may, you know, individuals from some of the best universities with really uh, out of the world technical expertise, unable to perform some of the, for example, leadership skills. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm not these are probably rare uh, examples, but this, this does happen out there, outliers. So how does uh, one approach development of these skills? And what is the role of the individual? If you could dwell a little bit on what is the self-directional aspect of developing these skills? And how can also one engage with environments like on organized uh, educational institutions like universities, or for, our, for example, TVI's online um, academy itself, right? How can they engage with such environments and what what role does one's self-learning and one's guided learning or instruction, instructed learning, live training have to play in developing these competencies and how do, how, how can this kind of an approach to development, even the odds, right? Even the odds for someone who hasn't fared so well and for someone who's has fared really well, was really a technical expert, uh, like the finance person, but wants to up their game. Yeah. I think it, it first, so thank you for your question. It first comes with what you, if you're in already in an organization, right? And you want to know, um, and you're, you're thinking about being promoted, right? You're thinking about being promoted to a leadership position. I think it's important to first understand what exactly is defined as successful leadership in your organization. Every organization has different uh, interpretations, different ideas of what successful leadership is, again, based on context. And so it's, it's important to understand that. If you are working in a large MNC or even a medium-sized organization might have it, it's something called competency frameworks. And what they, what they do, um, what these frameworks are is, it's a transparent guide to tell uh, 
the employees what exactly the company is looking for, what the success look like, and how to get there. And when you understand what the client, what, what your organization is looking for, then you want to engage in maybe first of all an understanding of where you're at, where what where are you in terms of these competencies. Um, again, pointing back to leadership, uh, the end code provides a very uh, quick and systematic way to identify how you fare on um, many of many competencies. We measure 36 competencies relevant to 21st century work. Um, and you can then see where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. And if you are uh, lacking in certain areas uh, that your organization has found to be important for leadership, then you would want to think about how can I build on those areas. And for most of the time, you know, this is also where a lot of people kind of fail to consider, which is where I'm at, right? Where am I at on these multiple uh, competencies? Um, they tend to focus just on the strengths and then they forget about where they're weak at. And so uh, finding a good provider, finding a good training program that again, combines the principles of uh, not having knowledge, having experience, being able to apply what you've learned into real life context and real life situations, you would need those kind of programs to then work on your competencies if you wanna build on them and sustain them for long periods of time. Uh, it also goes into then the idea of how do I plan for this, right? Like, let's say uh, I'm engaged in a program, uh, I want to develop on my skills, how do I ensure that I actually get there? So that comes again with uh, developing uh, what we call SMART goals, right? Specific, measurable, actionable, uh, time-oriented, and so on, uh, knowing what the results are, what success looks like, and then working on those goals, get there. This can be a little bit difficult for some, uh, I would say. Some people might write too ambitious goals. Some people might write less ambitious goals. So then again, if that is not your forte, that is not something that comes very easily to you, looking for a, uh, a training provider that can give you the structure and give you the clarity, uh, that would be my go-to. Thank you, Nicholas. And uh, I think uh, the chat is uh, exploding in my private chat, a few of our viewers are asking me, uh, hey, you know, I'm doing this, this is my background, I'm trying to get this kind of uh, employment, what do I do? Uh, how can I demonstrate these competencies? What do I do? I think, uh, uh, so without further ado, uh, there are three similar questions and rather than probably answering the question, um, we could actually sh uh, share, the, share the screen and, and give, provide the access to the and code assessment. Uh, just, just as an additional comment uh, to Nicholas, uh, what I think is uh, earlier on, many of us uh, from India or, or any of the developing economies, we've all thought of M the American dream or the uh, the X Y Z or the Western dream or some kind of dream, you know. And uh, when you think about the current situation. I would like all of us to think about and, and reframe ourselves, right? Really think about what is the global dream? I think with this pandemic, there is a silver lining. It is a dis disruption. And I sincerely hope all of you who are viewing us are safe and are, are doing well. And uh, we're really concerned about how this is affecting not only health, but also economies about individuals' careers, right? But the silver lining is 
we see that there's going to be a global dream going forward. Uh, the internet has opened up a lot of remote employment opportunities, virtual employment opportunities. Of course, there are domains, there are particular roles which require you, for example, in manufacturing to be physically present. And those are the ex exceptions, but really the digital economy and the services economy are really opening up and the world is literally your oyster uh, today. And while urging you to think about this global dream and this global aspiration and global competencies, I also want to share a little bit to those who asked us the specific questions, how can I differentiate myself in an interview? What can set me apart? Um, we're launching the Enable program. Um, the Enable is a 21st century global workplace readiness certification from um, Training Vision Institute Singapore. Uh, this is developed uh, as part of the Skills Future uh, certification uh, framework, where a lot of research has gone into workplace readiness, uh, career readiness uh, competencies, and what the five skills uh, Nicholas has shared earlier are actually being addressed in in a live instructor-led uh, experiential and interactive uh, training program. And we're launching this uh, this 19th of June, um, where you can see the nine modules that we're covering are personal effectiveness, personal productivity, innovation, collaboration, learning to learn, interview skills. All of these are being actually uh, addressed in this program. And uh, it's, it's quite visible for you that we also provide CV review and interview coaching. Um, we also support you with uh, promoting your profile with our choice employers or partner employers. And we'll, we'll also provide the placement assistance. And uh, maybe in the next slide, we can talk a little bit about the personalized uh, career readiness assessment. I think I'll actually go through the timeline. Uh, yeah, so you can, uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll go through the timeline. Uh, so we're starting, uh, we're starting in, in, in May, we're taking registrations. Uh, there's a link in the next slide. I'll get to the link uh, where uh, we have the uh, assessment. We have a baseline assessment to take a stock of where you are at right now. And then we provide the live training and the self-paced learning for you. And right after that, we do have the uh, competency evaluation we have a competency 360 evaluation with your peers. And uh, also we will uh, provide the placement assistant later. So this is on the weekends. It's a weekend five day intensive program, six hours a day in Indian afternoon time. Uh, we're really excited about this and really hope all of you are able to make it. Uh, the next slide, if, if you can, uh, Nicholas, uh, would be, we have a special prize, of course, uh, this is a highly uh, coveted certification program, um, a high value program in Singapore. We're trying to do our bit in democratizing and making it affordable, accessible to the most number of people. So at a launch price is 15,000 rupees. We're also offering it at 7,000 at an early uh, bird price. So we hope you all subscribe, register at that link, uh, bit.ly, TVI enable, bit.ly, slash TVI enable. Uh, and uh, the uh, the last thing that I would also go towards is 
let us give you access to the encode assessment uh, so you can uh, oh before we go there uh, nicholas just a second uh, on announcing the next uh, session many of you are really enthusiastic i really like that a lot of you are asking um, you know questions so some of the questions that you're asking cannot be addressed in one webinar it's there's no shortcuts to this there's no magic bullets uh, to you know a quick fix to your career and it doesn't really work that way we'd love to we'd love for something like that uh, but but we are doing these webinars we're all to provide the awareness we're also providing uh, the tools like the encode assessment to empower you and we're actually offering it free of course and we're also bringing speakers like mamata um, who's gonna who's an independent consultant she's worked with the employment generation mission of uh, the government of india earlier and she's uh, associated with uh, some of the leading corporates in it industries uh, global mncs as as we know and she's going to come up next weekend and talk on how effective communication right the specific skill can unlock unlimited opportunities so moving on uh, let me just uh, you know share the encode assessment so if you have a qr code scanner if you can bring that up on your phone uh, you can actually get this encode assessment and you get you get e we email you uh, your personalized career readiness profile so you can actually utilize that add that to your resume or cv in your application process and uh, i'm very sure that you could really gain from that uh, if you see that there's a lack of readiness, there's, there's, there's some gaps, um, we highly recommend you to join our uh, tailor-made sort of customized program, uh, online program, which is the Enable program starting June. So you can scan this QR code. Uh, I'm also going to put the shortened link. Uh, I'm also gonna speak it out. It's uh, bitbit.ly slash TVI encode e-n-c-o-d-e t-v-i encode and uh, so really excited you can visit our uh, website all the registrants uh, to these webinar series we will be sending you the brochure for the program so if you have any uh, queries uh, those will get answered there uh, our team is available to support you and once again i really want to thank nicholas uh, for your time uh, for the for your efforts uh, and uh, for giving such a uh, an insightful, it felt like an espresso, <laughs> if I may, uh, the kind of uh, keynote that you've, you've presented today. So thank you for all the participants who are viewing us live or viewing this later uh, for lasting this long and really hope that you're able to join us uh, and, and, and really help each other um, and, and make the most of the opportunities amidst this crisis. Uh, so uh, if you can go to the next slide, Nicholas, uh, it'll be a summary of some of the uh, call to actions that we have. The next steps are, here's where you can register for our Enable program. This is the 21st century workplace readiness program. It's a live program where more than 30 hours of live training and about 30 hours of e-learning on our learning management system where you are trained on these nine modules which are the top 
10 skills required for 2025. We're actually try training them today. And uh, you can access the career readiness assessment from vision one, uh, bit.ly slash TVIN code. And so stay tuned for the next uh, uh, webinar with Mamata, uh, who's going to speak on effective communication. And I'm also going to put a teaser out. Uh, we also have someone who's going to do a really interesting workshop on self-awareness uh, subsequently. And she's also uh, a best-selling author and, and, a, and a facilitator. So um, we're, I really love how someone from Hong Kong can come in and connect with us and, uh, and, and give these insights. Uh, so, and someone from Europe can connect or someone from India can access. So uh, while there's this crisis, we're also living in this abundance and uh, stay in touch, stay tuned, and thank you, and have a good day uh, wherever you are, and thank you, Nicholas. Thank you, Adia. Thank you for inviting me and uh, organizing this great webinar for everyone. I think it's, uh, it's quite a good platform to share this information uh, to as many people as possible, as many students as possible, especially uh, 